Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. So I'm, I'm talking today, you know, I'm not really good at titles, so the title that I have is What's the Point? And uh, it'll, it'll, <laughs> it'll make sense later, you know. Um, but but I'm going to talk about I'm going to I'm going to talk about something that that some of you, based on maybe your church history, you've had a little bit of a struggle with in the past or whatever. And so I want to give you I'm going to start out because it's probably going to be on a podcast if if uh, if they see fit to put me on there. Um, I'm going to give you a bunch of references. I'm not going to read them, but I'm just going to let you know I really studied this thing, okay? And I want to encourage you in your own life, if you walk with God, if you call yourself a Christian, it's wonderful to hear messages. It's wonderful to listen to worship music. It's awesome to be a part of a church. But our encouragement always is for you to hear God for yourself. And the primary way you do that is through his word. So I encourage you to study that for yourself. So I want to tell you where this message came from. So I'm going to read these things, and you're just going to have to go back and listen to them later because you're not going to be able to write them down fast enough, okay? So Luke 10, 25 through 37, Luke 12, 16 through 21, Matthew 22, 36 through 40, 1 Corinthians 10, 24, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 24 and 33, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, 2 Corinthians 5, 13 through 15, 2 Corinthians 8, 7 through 9, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15, Philippians 2, 3 through 11, James 2, 14 through 20, 1 John 3, 6, 3, verse 16 through 19, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 45. Now, you don't have to, I'm not going to go there, I'm not going to read all these, that's not really uh, what I even want to do, you know. Some people just love to, love to read the scripture and hear themselves talk and I'm not that guy. So, um, but I want to tell a story. So Luke chapter 10 is where I really want to start. And it's, this is a really significant passage of scripture. It's called the most important commandments, what the Bible calls it. And so, um, you guys have been in this series called a meal with Jesus. And Jason asked me if I could like fit this into that. And so I imagine that they were having a meal, although, Maybe they weren't, but it says one day a guy came up to Jesus. So maybe they were in a house, maybe not. They don't know. So hopefully this fits into that. Okay. So Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, it says one day an expert in religious law, a really smart dude stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Now, if you're in, you might not care about this, but in Jewish circles, this is a big deal. So what do I got to do? What are all the rules that I have to follow? Jesus said, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Which was another big deal to Jews. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. So verse 29 is a really interesting passage of scripture to me because it says something that I think you and I think a lot. And that's the man wanted to justify his actions. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with this story. I'm not going to read you the whole story, but you've probably heard it before. It's a story about this guy called the Good Samaritan. So there's this Jewish guy. He gets beat up, left for dead on the side of the road. And a pastor passes him by. That's the first guy to pass him by, a Pharisee. Big deal in the religious community. Now, you might not know a lot about Jewish history, but in Jewish culture at that time, the biggest deal of the big deal was the Pharisee, was like the high priest. So this high priest passes by the guy. The guy gets beat up. He's just, just needs someone to help him on the side of the road. 
the high priest passes him by. Then the second, the second in command guy, the, the temple attendant, uh, walks by, doesn't do anything. The third thing Jesus says, he says, then this, this person called the Samaritan. Now, you and I don't have context for what a, what a Samaritan is in, in American culture uh, right now. But this person that's called the Samaritan walks by, looks at this guy, bandages up his wounds, and puts him in a hotel, and he tells the innkeeper, he says, hey, if, if I'm going to give you some money, which is equivalent to two days' wages, and he says, if, I'm going to give you some money, and if this is not enough when I come back, I'll, I'll pay the rest. Now to fast forward, Jesus says in verse 36, he says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So here's, what, here's where I want to place this context in today. You have to understand how, how insane this was for Jesus to say this to this guy. Again, you and I don't probably have a lot of context for ancient Judaism and Samaritans and how all of those things interplayed with each other. Uh, but Jews were taught from a young age that their mortal enemy was, was a Samaritan. Like you do not, you know, in Jewish culture in that, in that period of history, Jews never associated with anyone who wasn't Jewish. You didn't go to their house. You didn't hang out with them. You didn't do business with them. The only people you hung out with Jews, but the person you should avoid above all is a person who is a Samaritan because Jews were all about the law and the Samaritans. Long story short, I'm really simplifying it, but the Samaritans were these people that just really didn't care about the law and they made the Jews mad. So when this, when this guy hears Jesus say, love your neighbor as yourself, what he thinks is in a Jewish context. So the Jewish context of that, now I'm going to get out of this Jewish stuff because some of you couldn't care less about this part. But in this Jewish context, this guy thinks love my neighbor as myself means love the people who are like me, the way I love myself. And we're all really great at that. So he thinks he's wanting to justify his actions. That's what verse 29 says. This guy wants to justify his actions, the way he's living his life. So he says, who's my neighbor? So he expects Jesus to say, well, you know, all the people you're doing life with are your neighbor. But he says, no, the neighbor is the Samaritan guy. Like, that's the guy you hate. So you think of that person, or the people group. I don't know if you are, are willing enough to admit um, that you have prejudice, but think of people that you're prejudiced against. Those are the people that Jesus says, hey, that's your neighbor. That's, that's the person that, and, and I, I feel like that this guy was so uh, mad about it that he couldn't even say the word Samaritan. He just said the one who showed him mercy. Jesus spent all this time saying the word Samaritan, and this guy just goes, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus says, hey, go and do the same thing. So this is the, this is the, the, those of us who call ourselves Christians, who call ourselves Christ followers, this is the guy that started this whole thing saying, saying how we should be. So there's, a, there's a, another passage of scripture. In, in, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all those, all those kind of gospels, we call them the gospels, which just means good news. All those things kind of coincide with each other. Jesus mentions the greatest commandment. Notice it's not Sometimes you hear it's two separate things. It's really one thing, and both of those things are of equal importance in, in the, the economy of Jesus. One is love God with everything. The other one is love your neighbor as yourself. And um, I could get into that, but that's not really what I have to say. But is that the reputation of Christianity? So if this is what Jesus said, now you're, you've already heard, if you're new to Sozo, if you're new to church period or whatever, you've already heard so much about Jesus today. So you would think that Christians 
are so great at this. Because this is what Jesus said. He said, hey, this is the most important thing. There's so many rules that you can follow. There's so many things that you can submit to. There's so many boxes you can check. But if you want to know what I care about the most as the leader of this whole deal, it's love me and then love people, right? That's it. And, and so, so is, this, is this the reputation of Christianity today in America? Is this the reputation of Christianity today in San Francisco, in Frisco, California? Is this the reputation today of, of Christians in Frisco, Texas? You know, a lot of times I say I'm from Frisco, and people are like, oh, San Francisco, that's really cool. I'm like, no, Frisco, Texas, it's like not nearly as cool. <laughs> so in 2017, presidential candidate Bernie Sanders suggested that Christians are unfit for political office because they're so hateful. According to a recent Pew Research study, only 13% of our generation views religion as important. And among those who describe themselves as Christian, only 18% said that their belief system was important to them. Two-thirds of our generation doesn't attend any kind of religious service. And then according to this same survey, we believe that the highest goal of religious life is to be happy and to feel good about yourself. This is in stark contrast with what Jesus is is trying to get people to understand in this passage of Scripture. So at some point, I feel like as people, just as human beings, we can can really easily get things confused. Because we got to be honest with ourselves. We think about ourselves a lot. Spend a lot of time thinking about my self-interest, what's good for me, what I want to do. And the truth is, I'm looking for a religion, I'm looking for a belief system that kind of agrees with that. I'm looking for something that's going to help me discover what my dreams are and what my purpose is and what I'm supposed to be doing and who I'm supposed to be. And there's really nothing inherently wrong with that, but there is something wrong with that when I start to think that that's the entire point of everything is for me to just discover me and, hey, I'm good with me. I know who I am. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's really it. So we've we've developed this consumer mentality towards everything. We've developed a consumer mentality, those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, We've developed this consumer mentality towards God, towards the church, towards living our lives. And I feel like that's, that's the kind of starting point for a lot of us. Pretty much everybody in this room, if you've ever been to church more than once, you've had a bad experience in a church. And that's, and that's where it comes from, is the humanity that's inherent in that. Because the truth is, we show up to church environments, or we show up and we, we hear that people are Christian, And maybe we've never heard that word Christian before, and we think that there's some kind of really great thing about those people. But what we've we've probably seen in our life is that not be very true. A lot of us in this room, like, we're probably dealing with hurt that's based on how Christians have treated us. We have a community. We have a world of people. We have a a, a country now that's that's labeling themselves as post-Christian, which post-Christian just means that, hey, we know everything about that, and we don't really want any of that because of how those of us who call ourselves Christ followers have acted and have treated people and have behaved towards people. Where Jesus is sitting there saying, like the guy that we all claim to, you know, I'm a part of this deal. I'm a part of this culture that he's establishing in the earth. I follow this guy and he's saying, me, he's telling me to do something that I don't do. So George Bernard Shaw said, no man ever believes what the, no man ever believes that the Bible means what it says. He's always convinced that it says what he means. So a lot of people identify as Christians. You know, I'm from the South, right? Born and raised in Texas. So, so in, 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 in the South, in the United States of America, right, you have cultural Christianity. Our churches are full on Sunday. So many people come to church. Isn't that so wonderful? We've got thousands of people that are coming, and about 50 of them are living it. 
But it's cool because we're all in church. This thing isn't affecting my life. It's not changing one thing about the way that I'm doing. But at least, you know, I'm around a bunch of other people that are hypocritical in the same way. So here's, so here's what I feel like. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Yeah, you can clap for that because you're not there. <laughs> so it's my, it's my life every day I got to deal with. So, so here's what's happening. Here's what I feel like is happening in our generation. We're just taking the label off because guess what? People aren't living it. The, the Christians that you and I have had bad experiences with. Now, I can't sit up here and tell you in good conscience as a pastor, right? I can't sit up here and tell you whether or not someone is or isn't a Christian. But Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. So, so the people that we feel like represent themselves as Christians do not behave very Christ-like. And so guess what? Guess what we've decided to do in this generation? We've decided to say, you know what? I don't really need that label. I'm just gonna live my life. And I'm just going to do me, just like everyone else is doing them. So, so people, you know, in the church world, right, they look at all these statistics and they're, they're all, you know, crazy about it because, oh my gosh, there's less and less people that are coming to church in America. It's like, that, it doesn't even matter, right? Because the, the whole point of this is not about coming to church and being a part of a church. It's about living this life that's outside, like the other six days of the week that we're living our life. And the truth is, we have the crisis that we have is not, hey, we, our churches aren't full. The crisis that we have is people are not living it. People aren't looking at what Jesus said. So we call ourselves Christians, which means little Christs. We call ourselves Christ followers. But do we, do we follow that, those of us that call ourselves Christians? So let's talk about what following Jesus actually looks like. The most famous passage of scripture, doesn't matter if you've ever been in church before, you've probably heard this verse, John 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone that believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So awesome. And there's something in here, though, that I think a lot of people miss, especially Christ followers. God gave. So the entire thing, the whole thing, this whole movement that we happen to be a part of in the earth now started with giving. It started with generosity. It started with someone saying, hey, I love those people so much, I'm willing to do something for them. I'm willing to sow something into them. And I know this is simple. I know it's a simple thought, but we kind of live expecting to be given to. We expect our dream, our thing, our purpose, our future, our marriage, all the things that are in our hearts that we're worrying about, you know, all of us. Like, I think about that kind of stuff all the time. Like, what's my, what's my future going to look like? And is this stuff that's in my heart ever going to happen? And, and it can become this thing that we're chasing when, when I feel like God is sitting there saying, hey, that's really not why I created you. I created you to discover that thing. You got to discover it. You got to discover the purpose for which God created you. But your ultimate role, the point of your existence is not to just pursue your purpose. It's to discover your purpose so that you can what? Make a difference. It's what you, it's what you hear every weekend here at Sozo. Like we're going to discover our purpose. And then there's another step though after that. We're not just going to, hey, we all know our purpose. So great. Awesome. Thumbs up. You know your purpose. Super cool. It's like, no, then use, then use that purpose to go make a difference, not in your life, in, in the life of someone else. So I can be so grateful, man, like uh, God's given me so many gifts and I'm so wonderful and I'm so awesome. God's given me these gifts, but sometimes my focus is just on what God's given me. So Ephesians chapter five, now I referenced it a little bit ago. This is what Paul says. He says, therefore, imitate God in everything that you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. And then this is where we don't, we stop reading. 
He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. So if you call yourself a Christ follower, here's the ultimate purpose of your life, to offer yourself as a sacrifice for somebody. Now, this is what people have not done. And here's, here's, here's the chance that you and I have. You know what? Like, I don't like church. I don't like being a part of church. I don't like going to conferences. I don't like doing all that. I don't like being in this world. Not, not because uh, it's bad. It has nothing to do with that. But I've grown up in this. Like, I've been in church since, since before I was born, right? And I've, and I've been on the inside of all this stuff, and I've watched how Christians are, and I've watched what they say, and then I've seen what they do be completely opposite. And so it's put me in this position where I'm like, I don't want to be identified with those people. Like that, whatever that is, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. But here's the opportunity that you and I have. We have the opportunity, we have the, the chance in our generation where we're at right now to change what it means to be a Christian. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the reputation has been. Some of us run from that label. Like I don't like being called a pastor because of what I imagine that pastors act like. And what I imagine that pastors, certain, certain pastors' demands are and what it means to be a pastor in, in, this, in this modern day. I run from the label Christian because it's like, oh, I'm not like them. Like, I'm not going to be mad at you if you're struggling with something in your life. I'm not going to judge you. My number one thought's not going to be, hey, like, you know, that bad thing's happened to you. That's because you disobeyed God and you're making him mad. No, like, that's not, that has nothing to do with with who Jesus was and how he lived. So I have this opportunity right now in my life not to run from it, but to say, you know, I'm going to change what it means to be that. Because that's what needs to happen in our generation. If I could just be super honest with you, what needs to happen in our generation is what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a Christ follower has to change. Like it has to be different. Because either this thing is fake and it doesn't, and it doesn't do anything for us, it's just another belief system, or it's really changing some things in our lives. And if it's really changing some things in our lives, it's going to change the way that we're living. So live a life filled with love. All of us know in this room, if we have a relationship, if we have a friendship, if we're married, that love is sacrifice. If I love you, I'm willing to give up things for you. I'm willing to sacrifice things for you. Philippians chapter 2 says that Jesus took the form of a slave. That he decided to humble himself and say, you know, I'm going to serve people. I'm going I'm to just, just be here for you. I'm just going to sacrifice myself for you. And, and that's the, the, what, the, what the Bible teaches us is it says, hey, like, just be like Jesus. So if you're looking for what, what it means to be a Christian, I encourage you to start in the book of John. Just look at the life that Jesus lived and say, hey, I'm going to live that way in 2019. So, you, you know, you don't have to go get like the Air Hebrew sandals and like wear a tunic, although that might be cool here, you know. <laughs> like you guys are super progressive and that's awesome. I celebrate that. Because you're going to determine what happens in the rest of the United States of America. Um, make tunics great again. So, uh, but that doesn't mean go dress like Jesus. But, but think about in your life, what does it mean to live like Jesus here in this world right now today? So James chapter 2. Here's what the Bible says. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. And you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. Now, some may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good, good deeds is useless? Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. 
you and I have seen enough of that, right? Like we've seen enough about, we've seen enough with the thoughts and prayer stuff. It's like, man, bad stuff happened in our world. Man, I better send a, I better tweet. I better post Instagram about it. Like I better go find the best picture that I have of this tragedy and send, send some thoughts and prayers over there to those people. We do that. Americans do that. Christians do that. Did you know that, did you know that 80, 87%, according to recent statistics, now you and I, especially if you live in this part of America, would not probably see this, but 87% of Americans identify as Christian. It's according to a, a recent secular survey that was done that wasn't a church-wide survey that was done. So 87% of us should be doing something about the needs that exist, not just in our communities, but all over the world. But what we're doing in a very real way is we're just like sending thoughts and prayers. And that's and what James is saying here is this is the biblical version of thoughts and prayers. Goodbye. Have a good day. Man, notice your life really sucks. You know, uh, I got to get to work. Sorry. Can't help you, man. I can do anything for you. I'll send you a thought, thought and a prayer because that really doesn't require anything out of me. So, so many of us are trying to find a belief system, whether it's Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, whatever. We're trying to find a belief system that at the end of the day doesn't ask much out of us except to just be ourselves and make it about me because what we have to admit is that we are about us. And what God is trying to say is, what Jesus is trying to say is, hey, if you want to follow me, we're going to live a different kind of life though. So there's needy people all around us. There's needy people in this community. There's needy people all over the world. And here's what we say. We say, man, I can't really help needy people because they're, really, they're in Africa or they're in Brazil or they're wherever, wherever it is that they happen to be. Distance is irrelevant. We live in a world where we can donate online anytime, anywhere. You saw Josh throw up the stuff on the screen. Hey, like, here's how you donate. Here's how, here's how easy it is to give. So no one's really far away in 2019. And then we say, oh, man, there's so many needs in the world. There's millions of people. I don't know how I could, I don't know how I could help them, right? We, we, we're, we're in awe of the bigness of it. So that's kind of like saying if there's 100 children drowning in a pond, um, I, I can't save them all, so I might as well not save one. No, it's our duty to save as many as we possibly can. Like if you're walking by a public swimming pool today and you saw like 10 kids drowning, you wouldn't be like, man, like I guess I'll let all 10 of them die because I can't save all 10 of them. Then the third thing we say is, hey, other people can help them. Other people can be involved. So I'm so glad to be a part of this church where y'all are going to go serve. Isn't that so great? You guys are going to go out there on Saturday. It's going to be so great for y'all. I'm going to get to watch a video. So we might feel less guilty, but it doesn't change our personal responsibility. We're the onlookers that surround the pool watching the children drown and doing nothing. So here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to find a way not to give. We're trying to find a way not to serve. And we got a whole bunch of excuses. And I don't know what your excuses are, but mine are, I don't like Christians. I don't like dealing with them. Like, they're, they're the worst business people. They have the least integrity, right? They're the most hypocritical people. Like, when you hear someone say, hey, I'm a Christian and I do business in a Christian way, that doesn't actually mean integrity in 2019. That means I'm going to be, like, underhanded. I'm not going to do it right. I mean, I'm not saying that person is. I'm just saying based on the reputation, Okay, and I'm kind of like working on my issues in front of you, and I'm going to get past it, I promise. I'm going to get to, I'm gonna get to a healthy place regarding Christianity, but I'm saying this as a person who's seen it. Like our church is, we, we've been, in, we've been in, in Dallas for 19 years, and, and the worst things that have happened to me in my life have happened at the hand of Christians, people that call themselves Christians. Now, your story might be similar, your story might not be similar. 
But here's what I have to decide. I have to decide I'm, I'm going to change what it means because I really believe this thing all the way. I really believe that Jesus wants me to love people. And he wants me to have that kind of heart. And he wants to use me to change the world by changing my world. So Jesus establishes this thing. He didn't establish a nonprofit. He didn't establish a homeless shelter. He didn't establish this or establish that. He established this thing called the church. And he says, this is the hope of the world. This is the thing that I'm starting. So when you hear the word church, what that word means is gathering. It's just a gathering of people that are going to do life together and going to be about what Jesus was about. Charles Spurgeon said, let the entire body of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, instead of looking to societies for evangelization or to commerce or to governments, remember that she is the sole savior of the world. As Christ was the world's hope, so is the church the world's hope. And she must take up the charge as if there were not another. So we're trying to legislate it, organize it, plan it. We're trying to make people be generous. We're trying to make people help people. We're trying to, you know, like lower everybody's taxes or increase everybody's taxes or launch all these different social initiatives so that people will be about more than themselves. Here's the reason, here's the point why the church exists. The reason why the church matters in the earth today is because the church is the thing that is meant to help people understand you are the hope of the world. The church is not a place, it's a people. And you know that better than anybody. So the church is not a place, it's a people. The church is meant to be this place where we are equipped and we are launched to be everything that God has called us to be. And the point of that is for you to be about other people. The point of that is for you and I to say, you know what, like my life is not about me. It's about, it's about other people. So whatever needs that I happen to see in the world, whatever issues there are that I have the chance to be involved in and to solve, oh my gosh, God has opened up that door for me to help be a solution to a problem. And it doesn't matter. Like you and I, we sometimes, we run from faith and we run from Christianity and we run from these labels because of the way other people have been about it and the way other people have lived it. And we say, hey, I don't want to be in the same group as them. And I totally get that because I feel that way. But I feel like we are, we, you, you happen to be on the forefront. What I love so much about what you guys are doing is that you're, you're, you're doing church in a real way. Like you don't have another, it's got to be real or it's just not going to work, right? Like this thing, Jesus is going to show up in this thing or we're not going to be here. Like in, in Dallas, it's like, you know, whatever. We get up, sing, row, row, row your boat and like 1,500 people show up. Because <laughs> it's, it's cultural there. It's just like, hey, man, like we're, I'm a Christian, sure, like, yeah, you know, I'm on my fifth marriage, but like, I'm hoping sometimes, sometimes it's going to work out for me, you know, because God's got me. It's like, man, just like handle your stuff, you know, <laughs> I'm going, I'm too much. This is why, like, if you follow me on social media, if you ever happen to follow me, I only post memes because if I post anything else, it's too cynical and critical. So uh, if you want to know anything about my life or my family, you need to follow my wife. Um, <laughs> Because I only post memes. So you can't legislate morality. You can't legislate the human heart. You can't force people to be generous. You can't force people to live this thing. And this is a battle that, that I feel like a lot of pastors are fighting right now. And a lot of people in, in any kind of church leadership role is like, we got to change what it means to be this in our present age. Luke chapter 12, and I'm just about done. Luke chapter 12. Jesus says, you can read this for yourself. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what he says. I have followed this guy. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Jesus. And he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
So I'm going to talk to you about money for a little bit. And if that makes you uncomfortable, it's okay. I'm leaving tomorrow. So, <laughs> but like, for real, if we believe in what God wants to do through people, and if we want to see the world change, we need to become financially involved in that. We call it being T-rated, which means giving your time, your talent, and your treasure. All three of those things combined. Everyone has time, everyone has talent, and everyone has, has treasure. And you might sit here and you might say, well, I don't know, like, uh, I can't really just write a big check. I can't really give a whole bunch of money. That's not the whole, that's not the goal. The goal is to just demonstrate to yourself where your heart is. So if you want to have an understanding personally of where your heart is, you look at where your money goes. Most of us, we spend more money on, on ourselves than we do on anybody else. That shows us where our heart is. Our heart's with us. How much, how much are we sowing into the lives of the people around us? How much time are we giving? So let's just, that whole money thing might have just messed you up. You might have stopped listening to me. But let's look at our time. How much time do you give to other people? Let's look at our talent. How much, how much of my talent am I just sowing, investing into people, not asking for anything from them? Just knowing that, hey, like Jesus said, to be a neighbor. And to be a neighbor means I do something for somebody that can't do anything for themselves. I just show up and I'm present in their life and I just initiate relationship with them because I'm supposed to love them. Properly understood the church. This is what I love so much about your pastors is that they're creating this place. The church is a gathering of people who believe and live what Jesus taught. And through this gathering, God has used the church to change the world. And I believe he wants to, he wants to continue to do that. So here's some really great things that have happened in history through the church. Eyeglasses were invented in the church. The first calendar was created by Catholic astronomers. The science of genetics was founded in the church. The theory of the Big Bang was invented by a Catholic priest. The first ever universities and colleges started in churches beginning in the 11th and 12th centuries. To this day, 83% of colleges in the United States were founded through the church. Braille was developed in the first ever school for the blind, which was founded by the church. The first hospitals began in churches in the fourth century. The first ever subsidized housing projects launched in the church. Some of the greatest art and artists in history happened because of the church. Raphael, Michelangelo, da Vinci, Bernini, and more were all patronized by the church. The first ever systematic bodies of law and law schools were founded by the church. The Latin alphabet, the most widely used writing system in the world, was spread by the church. The church has created entire musical genres. 65% of Nobel Prize laureates identify as Christians. Today, the church is the largest charitable and volunteer organization in the entire world. We have the power to change things on a global scale. Just in this church, you have so many people that serve regularly on teams just to love and serve people. Think about how many people in our local communities that we have the power to influence. Today, I'm talking about some, someday in the future, I'm talking about today. This is the vision for the church. It's to be a place where, man, inventions come out of here. Science comes out of here. Beautiful art comes out of here. And we do this all in spite of ourselves. So let me, let me give you some real kind of where we're at in American church history, and then, I, and then I promise you I'm done. According to most recent statistics, okay? Now, this is what we have the opportunity to change. This is what you have the opportunity to change here at Sozo in San Francisco, what it means to be a Christian. Only 9%, United States-wise, this, this is according to the Barna Group, only 9% of Christians claim to give regularly, or tithe. We use the word tithe, which just means tenth. Only 9% of Christians claim to give regularly. 
50 to 75% of Christians, this is self-reported, 50 to 75% of Christians give nothing to a church. So Jesus comes and he says, this is the hope of the world. I'm going to use this body to change the world. And everyone's like, that's so awesome. I'm not going to contribute to that. Thank you, though. So it's what Christians are doing. I'm not saying you're doing it, right? Because if you're here and you're coming to church in San Francisco on a Sunday morning, like you're about it. You're trying to figure out how to be about it, right? The world I happen to be in is a world of like a bunch of people who we're trying to convince to be about it. Like, hey, don't just show up to church. Why don't you participate, right? So 50 to 75% of Christians give nothing to a church. We have to change this stuff in our generation. We have to change what it means to be a Christian. Whatever our parents' deal was, whatever the previous thing was, whatever that person was like, that is not, in my opinion, now you are free to disagree with me because this is 100% my opinion, that is not biblical Christianity. That's whatever we've decided that it is. But we have to change what it means and get back to the basics of what Jesus is asking. And what Jesus is asking... What Jesus is asking out of you and I is he's asking for true generosity that's initiated by love. That we say, man, I so love, John 3 verse 16 should be your life verse. I so love, so I give. I give my time, I give my talent, I give my treasure to people. Man, I just so into this thing because I so believe in what God wants to do through the church. I so believe in what God wants to do through my life because I am the church. Economists say that it would cost the American church around $115 billion, that's a big number, Around $115 billion would relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases worldwide, fund the complete eradication of malaria, currently half the world's population is at risk, solve the world's water and sanitation issues specifically at places where one billion people live on less than $1 a day. We would eliminate illiteracy worldwide. We would fully fund all current overseas missions work and sponsor one million new full-time ministries, that missionaries. That's for $115 billion. Man, that's such a huge number, right? Like, we're not going to get that today. American Christians, like this is according to all these statistics, right? I'm just bringing it, I'm just kind of, you know, some of you are super motivated by statistics. Awesome. So according to recent, this is the, just the raw data here. American Christians have at their disposal an income, an average yearly income of $5 trillion. $115 billion is 2.3% of $5 trillion. In other words, if each American Christian gave two out of every $100 that they make, we just may see this happen in our lifetime. However, Globally, the entire world, economists say that the church brings in about $50 billion worldwide. That's 0.1% of the income of American Christians. We're supposed to be the hope of the world. It's not just about money, though. Don't, don't, don't just tune me out because I'm talking about giving. But it's not just about money. It's about understanding, hey, I'm the hope of the world, so I need to get some skin in the game here. Yeah. I, I like if you're you're sitting here and you're you're like maybe a, a seeker and you're trying to figure out if this Jesus thing is for you. Look at his words. Sometimes we look at the behavior of other people and you know what people are flawed and they're messed up. No matter how hard we try, we're going to mess it up a lot. That's where grace comes in. 
That's where God's love comes in and that's where his forgiveness comes in. And guess what? That's where our forgiveness comes in. And that's where we can let it go. Despite how we've been treated and despite how people have wronged us and how, how people have looked at us is that if we're gonna, if we're gonna live a life that, that is a Jesus life that says, you know what, I'm gonna follow this guy. That means we're gonna be characterized by love. We're gonna be characterized by self-sacrifice. We're gonna be characterized by just giving, not, not because we want anything. There's no, there's no trade-off. It's just like, man, let me just sow. Let me just sow and watch what God does through, through in these people's lives. So, so again, just, just to end right here, it's not about money. But Jesus himself said where we put our money is a reflection of where our heart is. God wants our heart to be with people. God wants our heart to be with his church. Now, you might be seeking and figuring out, and sozo might not be the right thing for you. I think it's a, if I was here, I would go here. But I can't make that decision for you. But if your heart is here, put your money here. If your heart is with, with the church, if your heart is with Jesus, put your heart, put your money where his heart is. Because wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, that's not my opinion. That's, that's what Jesus said. God's not asking for us to just give everything and like live homeless. That's not what he's asking for. He's saying, hey, like just put your, like put your, heart, put your heart there. Put your heart with me. Go on this journey with me. Love people. Serve people. Love them with your time. Love them with your talent. Love them with your treasure. Treasure. St. Teresa of Avila said, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with, with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. The word gospel literally means, like you hear a lot of biblical words, you're going to hear them a lot. The, the word gospel literally means good news. It's a literal definition of the word gospel. And I love this, this quote by Paul Gilbert. He said, you're writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by deeds that you do and words that you say. Men, read what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the gospel according to you? We know the gospel according to Matthew. We know the gospel according to Mark. We know the gospel according to Luke. We know the gospel according to John. But what's the gospel according to you and I? Jesus says, hey, go with me on this journey. Like, follow me. Don't, don't take someone else's version of Christianity. Take his version of Christianity. What it means, what it means to follow him. And I want to pray for you in, in just a minute, but I want to tell you, like, we are so aligned with what God's doing with your, with your church and with your pastors. And I didn't come here just to teach a message on generosity and say, hey, y'all give without sowing a seed. So as a family, as a, as a brother, I'm not asking anything out of, out of Pastor Jason. I'm not asking anything out of them. I'm grateful that he invited us to come. But I want to sow a seed. We want to sow a seed today into what Sozo is doing, and we're going to sow $5,000 into what God's doing through your church today. Because we just believe in it. This is, this is, this is not, there's not a, there's not an agenda here. And there shouldn't be for any of us. I'm not given to get. I'm not given so that, hey, like, man, Jason, be my friend. I'll give you $5,000 if you're my friend. Although that'd be a really cool friendship to have, right? I'm just given because this is the way God builds the church. Our heart is with you. Our heart as a church is with you. So what better way to, to say, hey, man, our heart, my heart is with you than to give. The thing in my life that is most precious to me is my money. You and I, man, like we love money so much. Let's get real. 
But take the thing that's, that's the most precious thing to you in the world and say, you know what, God? I know what's more precious to you than my money is those people. There's people in this city that are just hurting, man. Like you're probably, you might be one of those people. They're just going through hell on earth right now. And they need someone to show up in their life. Say, you know what, man? Like, I don't need anything from you. I'm just here to love you. I'm just here to serve you. What can I do for you? How can I make your life better today? Someone to practice this biblical version of Christianity because when we get this thing, it's unstoppable and it changes the world. When we're not doing things with an agenda, when, we're not, when, we, when we know our purpose, like I discovered my purpose, man, I'm gonna go make a difference. That's the ultimate thing of this whole thing is let's, let's be about it. And Jesus says the way to make a difference What's the point of everything? This is where I'm going to end. What's the point of everything in your life? What's the entire point for which God created you? That's generosity. One word, generosity. Just so. Just, just put your heart with people and watch, and watch what God does. Put your heart with this church. Watch what God does. Some of you might be sitting on the fence. You might be wondering whether to commit to this thing. Commit to this thing and watch what God does, not just through you as an individual, but watch what God does, God does through this place. So let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for your church, and I thank you that we're the hope of the world. I pray today, God, whether we're sitting on the fence trying to figure out if this, if this biblical version of Christianity is for us or not or whatever, God, whatever we're trying to figure out, I just pray that you'd stir something within us. God, that you'd speak to us, that you'd lead us, that you'd guide us. I pray that, that we would, in, in this generation, God, whatever the reputation has been, I just pray that you would help us change the game. God, that we would change what it means, that we would just get back to the basics of what your son Jesus asked out of us. God, to just love people and to love you and to just not worry about much else besides that. And just put, God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to put our hearts and to put our treasure and to put our time and to put our talent with you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.